What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and oh my gosh, I've got an awesome interview for you today. Today, I'm talking with Leonie Dawson, who's a self-proclaimed hippie and business mentor, and we're talking about how she took her business from $30,000 a year to over $2 million a year. If you're not familiar with Leonie, she's got a series of courses for creative entrepreneurs, which are all available inside her academy, which is her membership site. And what I love about talking to Leonie and just our whole discussion is that she's built an extremely successful business, not working very much. Like she's actually said that while she was raising her children and she still is, she was working about two hours a day while they were small. And now she's able to work more because she has a bit more flexibility that they're older, but she keeps it super simple and focuses on what's most important. This is not saying that it doesn't take hard work because it does, but it means that I don't think you need to work all the time. And that's what I'm talking to Leonie about is how can we work smarter and more focused and try to keep it as simple as possible in our businesses. So we're really focused in on those activities that make the biggest impact to our growth and our bottom line. The other area I really dig into in this interview is mindset because What I wanted to know is what needed to change within you to be the business owner that was making $30,000 a year to running a $2 million business. That's not the same person. And what needed to shift within you? And I think you'll really enjoy the conversation that we have around that. So I have a feeling this is an interview you might want to listen to a couple of times because this mindset stuff gets really juicy. And just before we jump into this interview, I just want to remind you that if you have a blog or are thinking of starting a blog and you're not sure what to write about or you're just not getting any traction, definitely sign up for my totally free five-day blog challenge. Over five days, I'm going to give you a little challenge every day that will help you to fill your blog with your content that your ideal client will love and share so that you can really start to see traction. You can sign up for the blog challenge at wellpreneuronline.com slash challenge. And hey, if you've already taken it, which hundreds of you have, and you know any friends that struggle a bit with blogging or aren't sure where to start, send them to the challenge because it's totally educational and really helpful. And I think you're going to love it. Anyway, get ready for this interview with Leonie Dawson. Leonie, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's really exciting to have you here. Oh, thanks, Amanda. It is the coolest. Hello to everybody out there. I'm so, so excited to be connecting with all of you. And I think you're all wonderful and you're all earth angels. And I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing as well from yours. Like, it's just brilliant. So I tried to have you on the show, oh gosh, like a year ago. But, you know, as we chatted about, like, I was in London and the time zones were a nightmare and one of us would have had to be up in the middle of the night, which would have made not a very good interview. But now that I'm in Hong Kong, we're like 
practically neighbors. So this really our, our stars have aligned and our time zones have aligned, <laughs> which is the most important thing of all. So Leonie, I don't want to go back over like all the basic stuff because I'm sure the vast majority of people in my audience know who you are. I'll give you a nice intro and the intro to the show. And you've just been on Eventual Millionaire. So everyone can hop over there and listen to that interview too. So I'd like to cover just little, some different things with you that I think will really be of interest to the wellpreneurs out there. So what I wanted to start with was one thing I love about you and on your website is that you're so open about the ups and downs of your journey and like what it's really like. Like you're not one of those people that's trying to make everything look beautiful and shiny and like entrepreneurship so easy. You kind of tell it like it is. And I noticed that one of the things you said was you went through those moments where you were really floundering and you were really doubting like whether you could actually make a business out of this stuff that you love to do. Like you say, you're a hippie and you like to do all this creative stuff. And you really had a lot of doubt around that. So what I'd love to start with is if you could share with us, what was that turning point? When actually did you realize, oh, this is going to work? It was actually less of a realization and more of a decision. So I realized I had no clue how to make a business successful on any level in order for me to earn the money I needed in order to be able to do it as my full-time job. And so I really committed to it. I I was like, okay, I'm going to make the decision. I need to find out exactly how to make this successful. It's not, it wasn't about, I'll see if I can make it successful. It was I will find out a way to make this successful. I will learn whatever it is I need to learn to become a business success so that I can do this as my job. And I remember looking around and I think a lot of people get to this crossroads that that I was at and they think to themselves, well, I don't know how to do it. So I'm just obviously not destined to, or it's just too hard or whatever. And I definitely could have gone, oh, it's too much. Business is too much for me. I, I can't work it out. I'll just be stuck in an office job for the rest of my life. And instead, I realized that if other people had already done it, then they just must know something that I don't know and that I would be able to learn what they know because no baby comes out of the womb knowing how to run a successful business or knowing how to market themselves well. It's actually all learnable traits and all learnable information. And so I just dedicated myself and I gave myself a year and said, in the next year, I'll be earning $30,000 doing the things that I love and I will make it happen. And so I just committed to that journey and created a lot of discipline around it. I invested in different pieces of education and I really, really implemented them. Whenever I did it, I was like, okay, there's that bit of information. I need to install it into my business right now instead of just adding it to my to-do list of, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I should do that in the future. And I mean, the results were profound. I did do $30,000 that year. I quit my job two years after that. Even though I'm a giant hippie, um, I'm quite risk intolerant. And so I kept my government job up for as long as possible until I was pregnant with my first daughter and quit when I was just about to give birth. And ever since then, I've just followed the same formula of I'm committing to this. I will learn whatever it is I need to learn in order to be a success in it. I will make it happen. And so my business has usually doubled or tripled in size every year since then. So we've just completed a $2 million year, which is beyond my wildest dreams. You know, it's only a few years ago that I was like, I don't even know how to make $30,000 a year. And now I feel like I could sneeze and make (laughs) $30,000. So it's been a really amazing journey. 
but the same principle stays the same. Just be to make the decision, be committed, implement, and have faith. That's awesome. Congratulations. I mean, that's like that's such a great milestone. That's really inspiring. Some people out there listening are probably thinking, oh, well, you know, that's not although we're all a very optimistic, motivated bunch, but you know, you immediately think, well, of course she can just sneeze and make thirty thousand dollars because she's got a hundred billion followers <laughs> or however many you have. What do you think? Yeah. But you know, I didn't start that way. And my husband's always reminding me, he says, please tell people that you are not an overnight success. You know, I've been blogging for 12 years. And he said, just, just tell people that, you know, you would come home from your five-day-a-week job and you would stay up to midnight tinkering around with your blog and it wasn't making any money and you didn't care. You just loved it. You just wanted to create and you wanted to share and you wanted to help people and you turned up every single day. And you've done that for 12 years is turn up every single day and think, what can I create next? How can I help people? How can I communicate and share? And that kind of mentality built up over 12 years, that's, it's the rolling stone down the hill that, that begins, well, the snowball that, that really has that snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger each year. I didn't have a million followers. I don't even have a million followers now, but I didn't have many followers when I first started. I didn't have any followers when I first started out. I was insanely amused when I found out that one of my best friends was reading my blog every single day. And it blew my mind when somebody in my work was like, you didn't blog last night. You know, I'm very disappointed in you. I I get to work and I just log onto my computer so I can see if you blogged last night. That to me was the hugest thrill. And it feels like it's just one more person and one more person and one more person that begins to feel that way, that discovers what I share and falls in love with it, which is such a, a beautiful thing and becomes a friend. We just went to a, we were just out at a hippie store and this lovely lady came up to me in the floor and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I've recognized you. I don't want to intrude on your personal time, but you know, I just want you to know that I'm a subscriber and I love you. And I just, I love that. I love that I have all these instant best new friends when I go out and be like, oh my God, you know me. Great. That means you're an amazing person and that you've got all the same passions that I do. And so, you know, I've got, I think, 300,000 across my social media and mailing list now. And I just think that's just 300,000 women and probably like five men (laughs) who, when I meet them on the street, I'll give them a cuddle and I want to hear their story because they're amazing women. So it's just groundswell from that. So what's the very first thing you sold online? The very first thing I, this would be going back 12 years. I was selling, well, I I wasn't even selling. I started out, I was just making art for myself as I always do. And I was sharing it on my blog along with my sharings and somebody asked to buy one of my artworks. So it was an original artwork. I sold that and I went on to to sell a bunch of original paintings and then I sold art prints and then it just kind of cascaded into a bunch of different things, including retreats and tarot card readings and art markets and then eBooks and then creativity e-courses and then meditation e-courses. And it just kind of extrapolated out and out from there. So it was just the beginning journey and things have changed the whole way along, I would not have a clue on earth that 12 years later, I'd still be doing this, but be, I don't sell original artwork anymore. Instead, I create and publish my own books that have my artwork in them. So it's been a really fun journey. 
How have you decided along the way, like what's the next thing that you should be creating? I am a giant hippie. So it's never really been a logical decision. It's always been, this is what my heart and my soul are calling from me next. And I'm just a big believer in following my gut, following my intuition. And oftentimes I call it the divine download. So I'll receive the vision of what I need to create next. And then I just go ahead and do it. And I'm like, all right, thank you, angels. Like, thank you for showing me the vision and I'll just go make that happen. So I don't really invent what's going to happen next. I just kind of receive the messages in a lot of ways and then I'll just birth that into the world. And I love doing that. Birthing big dreams is bloody fun. (laughs) You know, I think running a business and doing and just this online world is so creative. And I love that, that you can just have an idea and then it's so quick to implement things online and actually bring it into being. It's really like, yeah, just such a creative pursuit. Totally. It's just instant alchemy. Oh, I like that. Instant online alchemy. Yeah. Yeah. There's the name of your next course. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it's funny, like I was looking back through my journals and I've got, you know, art journals that I've still got from when I was 16 and they're exactly the same journals that I still use today. And my handwriting hasn't changed. The things that I write about and paint and talk about, it's all the same stuff. And I had that burning need to be able to communicate that into a journal. And of course, like then I would throw the journal at my friends like, read this, read this. I'm not a private journaler whatsoever. That's that's just not in my, <laughs> that's not in my DNA. And so that real like passion and drive to just communicate the experience that I was having and create it through art and, and words and then share it with as many people I could. It's exactly what I'm doing now, except the online world means that I get to have a journal that can be read by 300,000 people or however many want to read it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about creating products and just kind of giving a download of what the thing is you're supposed to create, I want to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, traditional marketing and the marketing advice is, and and actually I think it's generally good advice. Like so many wellpreneurs will just be like, oh, I want to create blah, 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 blah. And they'll spend all this time creating this massive course or product and nobody wants to buy it. And they put it out and they've spent all this time and nobody buys it, right? And so I'm, I'm curious. So like, What's different about your process? Because obviously what you're doing is still in tune with what people want to buy so that your downloads are actually putting out what people want to buy. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And like, I completely agree with you. And some people, like they just pour their hearts into creating products that nobody ends up really having a burning desire for. I think I tend to be quite connected with my audience and I love meeting people live and face-to-face and just talking to them and asking them where they're at and what problems they're having. And they end up becoming kind of like my muses. I'm like, okay, they're suffering from this. I really want to help them. Like I'll create this product for them. And it feels like this real like divine mission. Like, oh, I'll create this product that will really help them. And, you know, I also survey my people and ask them what they're, they're called to next I want to know what they're struggling with. I ask questions all the time just so I can keep them on my heart because I think of these people uh, as the people that I'm born to help and serve. And, you know, sometimes they want me to teach things that I am not called to teaching whatsoever. So in those cases, I'll say, you know, that's a great idea, but I'm not called to it. Or that's a great idea. Here's the best person to learn about that from. And sometimes what they're asking for is an alignment to my own divine mission. And 
I sort of have to feel like I have the energy to create that and that excitement and that divine inspiration. Otherwise, it falls flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are doing market research in the sense that you're connected with your tribe. Like you are part of them and you're constantly interacting with them and engaging with them. And like you said, I like thinking of them as your muse, like you said. I think that's a great way to think about it. So when you're getting these downloads, you're actually creating it out of a place of service to them. It's not like you're just inventing something that you thought would be fun, like totally disconnected. Definitely. And I mean, an important thing as well is that often we create things that are really, really needed by people. And then we either call it the wrong thing or we don't market it well enough and people don't realize it's actually for them and that it's the right thing for them to buy. So I've been very, very dedicated to investing in marketing and copywriting education and implementing it. And I've got a checklist when I create sales pages to make sure that I'm really, really communicating well what it is that I am teaching and how I'm helping people and that it's to benefit this person and it takes them on this journey. And if it's got these problems, it'll solve those problems and they'll end at the end of, you know, at the end of that e-course or whatever. They will leave with these benefits, these results. They'll be transformed in these ways. Because wellpreneurs tend to be incredibly gifted on, on so many levels in the healing realms and they just want to help people. And so often as earth angels, we come in with kind of more poverty mindsets because we don't want people to be harmed and we just want to help them heal and so we are guided by this very divine mission and then we don't spend the time to properly market and communicate our work. Well it is heartbreaking because I know like so many wellpreneurs I know have incredible programs and an incredible ability to help people and help people heal and teach people to make their lives better. But then the it's the copywriting I think in the marketing not knowing either being too uncomfortable about putting it out there or being way too vague. That's something I see all yes. the time. Like I can help everybody achieve everything all in this one yes. book. And totally. It never sells. And it's so sad. And then they give up. <laughs> it's like really, really. And like it's the reframe that I had to take myself and then I still talk to people about because we all suffer from it is you have to realize that marketing isn't about taking advantage of somebody. It's realizing you are here to help people and how you're supposed to help people is to communicate to them very, very clearly who you are, that you're here to help them, that you understand the problem that they're experiencing right now, that you can help them find this solution, that you can take them on this transformational journey. You give them social proof, you give them testimonials, you give them case studies, you help them feel really safe to say yes to you. And you communicate that so clearly and over and over again. So these people are able to overcome their fear and their indecision and say, yes, this is actually the right thing. I am supposed to be investing in this earth angel who will help me end this suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's got nothing to do with you whatsoever. It's about you very, very clearly communicating to your people that you understand them and that this is how you help. It's got nothing to do with ego. It is truly all about your earth angel mission. So I'd like to shift gears a little bit and kind of go back to something you were talking about before and pick up on mindset. Because you mentioned that at first you made a decision that you were going to be successful and you made $30,000, which is awesome. And now you made $2 million. So Mm. I'm thinking somewhere between the $30,000 and the $2 million, 
And because I am not there yet. And I'm so curious to learn from you. What is, what were those mindset shifts that you had to make within yourself to even be capable of having a business that makes $2 million a year? So first and foremost, I just want everybody to understand that so much of it is internal work. So I, for this whole time that I've been in business, I have worked with a therapist and intuitive healer. And at times I've also worked with a kinesiologist as well, because I realize that I am the biggest contributor to my success. And I'm also the person who will impact on it negatively the most. So whatever internal stuff that I haven't healed, whether it's past life trauma or subconscious beliefs or childhood shit or whatever it is, that all needs to be healed and cleared so that I can help as many people as I can and fulfill my divine mission on earth without being limited by my, limited by my human self. So there has just been an extraordinary number of things that I've had to learn and heal and clear to get to 30,000. And it's sort of like there's been glass ceilings. Probably like every time I go to try and double again, that's when a glass ceiling will hit. Or if I feel like there's a, a big growth phase that's come through or shit's just hit the fan in some way, they all need to be dealt with kind of head on and looked at. And, you know, the advice that I receive, my, I work with Hira Boga, who's a well-known master healer. She works with many, many women in seven and eight and beyond figure businesses. And she says, Leonie, this, actually, this, this journey actually just doesn't end. They're all still, they still hit, hit their own glass ceilings, but they might be hitting it at $25 million a year or, you know, some other number I can't even conceive of right now. It's still our own inside pieces that, that need to be healed in order for us to go ahead and create outer success in our lives, I think. So I'm curious, how do you, like a limiting belief that comes up for a lot of people is that it's really hard to run a business. It's really hard to be successful. You have to work really hard. What do you think about that? So first and foremost, I, yes, you have to be dedicated and committed, but I have never, ever worked full-time hours in my business. I had an office job to begin with. And then I had a, and then I started giving birth. <laughs> and so I had children who would take my time in, instead. So for the vast majority of my business, I've only worked about 10 hours a week. I'm up to about 20 hours a week now because my daughters are a little bit older and one of them goes to school now. And my husband stays at home and is a stay at home dad. So 20 hours a week is a good flow for me and my family at this time. And I've never, like up until last year, so I was earning over a million dollars. I'd never even been to a, a live business conference. <laughs> you know, like I have never done traveling for my business. I was like, okay, so these are the limitations that I have. They're chosen limitations because I really want to be invested in, the, in my kids, especially when they're so little. And I'm still being able to create success even with those self-imposed limitations of, of who I wanted to be in the world. And, you know, in 10 hours a week, what I would have to do is I turn up to work and say, okay, what is it that I really, really need to do today in order to drive my business forward? And then I just have to do it. So I definitely want to talk about that. Like I've got two ways I want to go with this. So first, let me just stick on the mindset thing for a second. 
So when you look at, because I know you work with hundreds of business owners around the world. And when you see the business owners that are really struggling, say that they're, or say they're just like under 50,000 a year, like they're really just trying to get their business going. What's the difference between like what they believe versus like the more successful, abundant business owners that you've worked with? Sure. So, I mean, first, I just want to say that the first $50,000 a year is the hardest. After that, it's just building on success. So it's actually, there's different challenges that come up, but the first $50,000 a year is is definitely like the hardest evolution of business because what you're doing is you're doing some really, really important work. One, you're working out what it is that your business is doing. Two, you're trying to work out the economic model for how that's going to be delivered. Three, you're finding your first clients. And four, you're trying to get repeat business from that. So there's actually like some really, really pivotal pieces of that that can take a little bit of time to work out. And once you've kind of built up some, once you've done those first four tasks, you can kind of replicate the success over and over again. Because as a, you know, now doing a multi-million dollar business, I'm not doing anything hugely different from my first few years of business. It's just that I do it on an even bigger scale and I have a lot of staff to help me now so that I can keep on replicating that same success over and over again. So when you're in the first $50,000 a year, you're in major hustle mode. You can have work-life boundaries, but when you're like in the zone, you have to be totally committed and totally on the ball and be really, really clear about your next steps. Because so often when we're in those areas of business, we're trying to like we're information sucking and we're trying to learn from all of these business people. And often the things that we're learning is not actually applicable to our stage of business. So one of the things that I've created is like the seven chakra business model and divided people from like just thinking about starting a business right up into seven figures and beyond. And because at each level in business, you really have to be focusing on different areas in your work-life balance, in what you're prioritizing, what are the key tasks you should be completing in that area of your business, what books you should be reading, what books you shouldn't be reading at all because they will mess with your mind. Like they're way too high level for what you're trying to implement at this stage. So for example, I remember a few years ago, I tried to read a Jim Collins book about level five leadership and I tried to implement it and realized pretty quickly that it didn't actually apply to me because I didn't. I actually haven't mastered the first four levels of leadership and, and management yet. Because it's nice to be kind of like all airy-fairy and not give clear communication about exactly what it is that you need and you know feedback and all that sort of stuff. But that actually sets a lot of people up for failure if you're not mastering the first four levels first. So there's actually, like, I think it's really, really important to realize there are different things, different advice that's correct at different levels. So at the first levels, you know, you would be saying yes to everything that comes your way, like every opportunity. When you're in, up and up, in some of the higher levels, it actually is more critical for you to be saying no to more things. And once you're, you know, in seven figures and beyond, you say no to 99% of the things and only say yes to the one clear thing that you're committed to creating. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you brought that point up because I think, you know, I know a lot of people listening feel like scattered, like there's so much advice and everyone says their way is the right way. And there are all these books you should read and all these experts you should follow. But I like that point that it's not that some 
well, some advice is probably bad, but it's not that, that it's just that you might not be ready for that advice yet. Your business isn't at that point. And you need to be not just taking advice from the biggest businesses, but actually looking at the people that maybe are just that next step that have, have done what you need to do next and start there. Totally. And I mean, if you're reading books that are like beyond your capacity at this stage, like beyond your business's capacity at this stage, you'll just feel like a, a total failure and like you're just, you know, terrible at business. So for example, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish, you know, I've had friends who've read that before it was the right time and just want to have a complete mental breakdown because they're like, there's nothing I can do in that that will help me achieve because it's pretty like a very, very intensive process. And for me, it's really only been the last year that I can read Vern's work and start implementing it without feeling completely bat S-H-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Can you share with us a couple of book recommendations for people more on the beginner side? Sure. So on the beginner side, I would be looking at The E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber. I would be reading Cashvertising by Drew Eric Waltman. I would be looking at kind of, you know, Zig Ziglar books and Guerrilla Marketing books by Jay Abrahams. Andrew Griffiths in Australia is quite a good, like prominent business writer. Really just about like really keying onto marketing because it's usually the marketing that that trips people up at this stage. Once you kind of realize, like work out how to do the marketing and copywriting, then everything else becomes easier because you actually are getting cash in the door and then you can hire people to do other things for you. Totally. So you mentioned that you, when your kids were little, you were really only working like 10 hours a week. So like two hours a day. Can you yeah. talk a little bit more about, I mean, I think everyone out there listening is like, yes, I want that. <laughs> right. And yeah. I don't know how realistic that is for everyone. Maybe, I mean, I guess you've shown it could totally be done. So how do we do that from somebody that's just like, you know, spending all day on their computer, just like working, 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 that's obviously not effective. And so like, no. how did you decide, how did you make that shift or how can people make that shift and how do they know what to work on? Um, have some really like high needs babies that really just will impact your lifestyle so horrifically that you will have no other choice. <laughs> um, that's a really good question. I'm a big advocate for it. And you also would need to be incredibly structured with your time. You would be like, okay, so what are you going to do instead to fill up your time? Because it's very, very easy for you to like just go, okay, well, I'm just working all day, every day. And you may not necessarily be particularly productive. Even if you could like start limiting your work hours and go, okay, well, I'm just going to do like five hours. And you know that five hours, this, 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 this needs to be done. After that five hours is up, I'm closing down the computer and I'm going away and doing this. And having like a life list. So I create goals workbooks each year, which ended up becoming massively successful that are used by over a quarter of a million people now, which is pretty amazing. But, you know, I've got my business goals, but my life goals workbook is just as important because I need to have a full and a good life outside of my business. And I definitely start flagging and getting burnt out when I don't have a great life list in there of things that I want to do and see and experience and all that kind of stuff and treat it with as much respect and commitment as I do to my business goals workbook. Because as they say, all work and no pay makes Leonie a really bloody dull person. Absolutely. Okay. I like this. So basically we've got 
in addition to our business goals, we need to have separate life goals, which totally makes sense. I think it can be hard because once you're running your own business, it's so fun. I Sometimes I feel like I'm like playing with my business. Like I just love it and I want to hang out there and do things with it. But totally, not all of that time is productive time. And so I guess totally, you can make time to just play with your business, but then you have to carve out and be like, okay, these are my actual work objectives and shut down the social media and really get it done. Absolutely. So I'm a huge proponent of when I'm working, I use something called self-control app. There's a bunch of other apps out there as well that do the same things. I block internet. So I am in a Wi-Fi free zone when it's time for me to work. Awesome. So you're just like writing, do you just write in like some other app then? or So with the self-control app, you can block the websites that you don't want to go to. So if I'm still like I need to write blog posts and things like that, I will, I'm still able to access those parts of the website, but I just block, you know, all of the distraction websites, all of the news, all of social media, everything. With social media, we always have it we use Edgar software to pre-create a whole bunch of social media sharings and they get automatically posted. You know, it's, it's about being very, very clear and very, very discerning. I also like to have public, public accountability. So I, before I dive into a bunch of work, I will go to my mastermind and I'll say, here's my list. I'll be back here in 45 minutes. And so I'll block myself off Wi-Fi for 45 minutes and come back and be like, okay, I got this and this and this done all right, I'm going back in for another 30 minutes. So I'm going to have this done by the, the end of that. And it just makes you a speed demon, really. It's pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm curious, we're kind of getting to the end of the interview, but I'd love to know, how do you handle email and not letting that take over your life? I don't handle emails. You know, I've got customer service people and I have a chief operations officer. So nobody has my email. They're all dealing with my staff. And I have my assistant tell me my priorities for the week. So if you're a wellpreneur, if you've got any cash flow possible, I would suggest having a virtual assistant. I started out with having someone for three hours a month and she would bill in six minute time blocks, which was amazing. She would go in and she would clear my emails within six to 12 minutes because here's the thing, when you're not dealing with the emails yourself, and you've got somebody else whose job it is to just process emails, they will go in and they will set up templates. They will create Q&A so that people aren't even sending in emails to begin with. They will fix inherent issues so to cut down on the emails to begin with. They are so, so efficient. So they would take six to 12 minutes to clear my inbox. Whereas it would take me hours because I'd be like, oh, I've got to get to my emails. And then oh, it just takes so long and it's so tiring and then I'd go do something else and total resistance. Mm -hmm. So my biggest recommendation is as soon as possible to hire a part-time VA and try and look at ways in any way possible that you can automate any area of your life, whether it comes to appointment booking, if you've got an online booking scheduler, that's huge. And really trying to serve people the information they need before they actually reach out to you all of those things take can reduce your email down a massive, massive amount. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And I've had a VA for, I don't know, a couple of years now, but just recently, just within the past six months, delegated my email. And it was so painful because I was, you know, you feel like, oh, but is she going to know how to respond to everything? It is the best thing ever because I would get emails from my listeners and stuff. And I'd want to, I'd be like, oh, look how nice that is. And I'd go look at their websites and I'd spend all this time and then I'd craft a response. Like it was taking ages. 
And now yeah. she handles it and just compiles it in a list so that I can just go in and, and read all the feedback, but I don't have to personally respond to everyone. And that has just really freed me up. So definitely, I totally encourage everybody to do that. It's life-changing. Totally. It, it is. It's completely life-changing and it's business-changing as well. And it's just so important because when you get out of your inbox, you stop reacting to everything else and you start actually creating and thinking the biggest strategy about what your business needs to be doing next and what you need to be creating because inbox can be very, very busy work and can make you feel very, very important. Like I'm running a business, I'm checking my emails (laughs) and you know, I've got to respond to all these emails, but no, that's actually not your job. Your job as a business owner is not to respond to emails. Your job as a business owner is to direct that business in the correct direction. Mm -hmm. And there's a mindset shift for everyone to wrap up this episode right? Being busy doesn't make you a business owner necessarily. Yeah, And the busier you are does not mean that you're more successful. Yeah. Like the busyness is just absolute rubbish. And it's so funny when people meet me, they're like, oh, I know you're a really busy lady. And I'm like, not really. No, I'm just very like, I don't work that hard. I've got boundaries in my life and I just do the important things when I turn up to work. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. So Leonie, are there any, you want to leave the listeners with any parting thoughts or advice about, yeah, about having a more easy, lovely business fits their life? Sure. You know, I think it's really important that you have boundaries and I know you all as earth angels, you just want to help people so, so much, but you will be able to help people so much more when you have good, healthy boundaries in your life to help you thrive. So if that means that you're that you don't work on weekends and at night times, that's a huge priority. If it means that you're not, you know, I, I know a lot of people now text for appointments at all hours of the day and night. Like do not be responding to those. Like turn it off and only check in when it's actually a work hour for you. So really I know when we, we work from home, it can be very, very hard to have a definition between when you're in a life moment and when you're in a work moment. But I would really, really encourage you to have as much definition between them as possible. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with Leonie. This this was really inspiring and uh, gave me lots of food for thought and I'm sure everyone else too. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Amanda. Bless your heart. And thank you for doing this show. I just, I think the more we can all support each other and talk about what it really takes to live big, wholehearted, authentic earth angel lives and be doing our missions on earth and be living with abundance and sustainability. I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. So thank you for for doing this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can find everything we talked about in this episode in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com slash blog. And I would love to know what you thought of my conversation with Leonie and what your biggest takeaways were. So please pop over into the Facebook group, which is called the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind. Come over into our group and let me know what your biggest takeaways were because there was so much juicy goodness in this episode. Anyway, have a fantastic week and I will see you back here next week with the next episode.